when we have imposter syndrome, we're looking at a very unique set of qualifications and we're forgetting that who we are is the biggest undercurrent of our success. You've gotten great at divine working, but what about divine living? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I'm your host, Gina DeVee. You're not alone in wanting more. And here at the Divine Living Podcast, you can expect to be part of conversations from women like us who unapologetically dream big and are obsessed with manifesting our most fabulous lives. The conversation starts now. What's up? What's up? What's up, queens? Welcome to the Divine Living Podcast. I am typically excited when I'm doing a podcast episode, but this reaches new levels with my guest, my friend, this genius of an expert I am bringing your way today. So for all of you speakers, authors, wannabe TED talkers, I have, we'll say it in her words, such a treat for you, with <laughs> one and only Ashley Stahl, who is a best-selling author, a just content creator, a viral TED speaker, and along with being one of my very best friends in the world and most trusted, trusted humans, um, her genius care, love, and talent about desiring people's voices and stories to go mass scale and literally viral through the form of a TED talk is uh, a conversation I personally am really looking forward to having with her. And I know it will bless you incredibly. So Ashley, welcome back to the Divine Living Podcast. Thank you for having me. So fun. What an intro. I feel like you know your friends, but sometimes you don't know their work selves as well. And I feel like you know everything that I'm up to. It's kind of fun to hear you just give me a bio without me sending anything. <laughs> you know me. I'm not going to read anything from the script. I know. I know. You're too fun for that. Too fun for the script. Right. But uh, we're going we're gonna to get into actually talking about the power of scripts today. Yeah. Well, I want to yeah. back up the bus to give people some context. So Ashley and I, pre-COVID, because world and life did exist before then, yeah. we, she would take me to Soho House, West Hollywood. We were both working on books at the time. And what else were you working on at the time? I was working on my second TED talk and mm -hmm. you were so powerful for me as being part of that, because I think having a friend or having somebody to brainstorm with is so huge with these sorts of things. I remember EDM disco music would be playing at the Soho house and you somehow were more productive with that music, whereas I somehow needed to drown it out. Um, but it was funny because as we were writing it, I remember telling you, this is going to go viral. And it wasn't coming from a place of ego. It was like, this is my best work. And this is everything I've learned in 18 minutes. I think this is going to do really well. And I'll never forget the day it hit the internet. Um, I thought of you. And I remember thinking, this is, this is the day it's going viral. And nobody watched it. It literally died in the corner of the internet for like six months. And then one day out of nowhere, it went super viral. And then I was like, there's no way this is going to keep up. And it did. So um, to this day, it's around 10,000 people watch it a day, has more than 8 million views, and it's in the top 100 TED Talks of all time. And I think what's so cool about it Wait, is- well, just, just run by those numbers again. I want this yeah. to sink in because as awesome and genius and talented and mindful and intentional as Ashley is with her career. 
she is also another woman just like you and with a dream. Listen yeah. to these numbers again. So how many people a day, uh, Yada? Yeah, 10,000 people are watching it every day. Um, and it has over 8 million views as of right now. And, you know, what I love about it is it's in the top 100 TED Talks of all time. And what's cool about something like this is, and I always tell people, it's not, I mean, it's simple to go viral on TED. Maybe it's not easy, but it's simple. You write the best talk of your life. Like that will go viral. So I remember pouring so much soul into it. And what was most exciting for me that I'm most excited about for anyone listening is that it makes business more feminine because what happens is that, yes, it is masculine to prepare the TED Talk. You're in a lot of masculine energy by, you know, writing, pushing, ideating, perfecting. But once you deliver it, it becomes the gift that keeps on giving. You enter into a world where people are finding you 10,000 sets of eyeballs every day is not nothing. So it's 10,000 different thoughts looking at you every single day. So what's happened for me is getting bigger book deal offers, um, you know, getting more sponsors and more listeners on my podcast and also getting a half million dollar spokesperson deal. Um, all of these things, I think speaking gigs internationally. Yeah, paid speaking gigs all over the world. I think what makes me most excited, though, is just the easy nature of it. Because once it's out there, people find you for things that you may have never thought about. And it creates this mysticism in your career that I absolutely love for me. Um, and that's what I want for everyone else. So, I mean, is it an easy task to distill your entire life into 18 minutes? Not for most people, but for me, it's a total passion project. <laughs> Um, why let's, let's back up the bus here for this. Why initially did you want to, um, have a TED talk? Yeah. I remember when I started my business, like 14 years ago, thinking to myself, like that was the gold standard of personal branding. I wanted to get with Ted. I wanted to get with the wall street journal. And I knew that I couldn't just start really high that I needed to build my brand, uh, I see the internet like it's a bunch of islands, you know, so I have a Forbes column that's an island, podcasts are an island, TV, books, all different little personal brand islands. And I just knew that the blogging island, you know, that Wall Street Journal Forbes were really high up for me. The speaking island, Ted, was really high up for me. So I put in a lot of time building my brand uh, in order to get these opportunities. But what I learned about TED and what's so powerful about it is I didn't have to put in that kind of work because TED values story over brand. You know, it's not about what kind of brand you have to get on the TED stage. It's about how powerfully can you tell your story? Um, so look how many Instagram at, followers you have or right. like all the other things that you're normally needing to allegedly right. compete with out there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, you know, the only one of the only places like even if to get a book deal these days they're like how many people are following you but this is different yeah 100 percent. and you get the followers from it and the people who follow you from ted are a very different batch of people they've been impacted by you enough to go and find you and keep learning about who you are um and so i find a different sort of relationship with the people who follow me and Again, it's 10,000 people a day or however many watch your TED Talk a day that are finding you. So a lot of my following is built off of my TED Talk. 
So if someone's listening and they're like, oh, I totally want a TED talk, but I'm going to like, I need to like build my career and I need to wait five years. And I don't know what I talk about, or I'm not good enough yet, or I got to get better. What would you say to them? I think that being an incredible TED speaker or speaker in general, uh, if you want to build your speaking career, um, there's a playbook for it and it's a learned skill. I think being a great storyteller, sometimes you need help. It depends on if that's a natural thing for you. I always tell Gina, like, I always tell you that I'm a writer that happens to have a business, not a business owner, you know, that Mm -hmm. happens to do writing. So I feel like in my world, writing TED Talks now for people as a speech writer has been really fulfilling, but I'm noticing how many people are not natural storytellers um, Mm -hmm. and the power of working with someone Um, And if it's not somebody that's more high level like me, just anyone that's close to you that can help you brainstorm your life and process your life as you write your story is really, really key. Because let's face it, I'm guessing anybody listening right now isn't 14. Like (laughs) you've lived enough life for a TED Talk. You've overcome enough for a TED Talk. You know enough for a TED Talk. And, you know, since we are queens here that are listening to this. I don't want you to be a princess thinking you need one more certification or that you're not good enough yet, or that three more years is actually going to be the thing that makes the difference. Um, Ashley, let's talk about your first Ted talk versus your second Ted talk. Yeah. Yeah. The first one I was working counterterrorism at the Pentagon. So, so weird that you and I have politics in, in common. Um, those of you who don't know, Gina, you know, had a little white house moment, um, friends in low places. Yeah. We've got some friends, but, um, the first one I gave, I pulled a total doozy on Ted. So I won an award for my work in national security. Somebody recommended me and I'll never forget. Um, I, I went to the award ceremony and this woman just looked like a cartoon. She was so perfect and beautiful. And, um, she told me she was miss Washington, DC. I was like, Oh, and She's like, yeah, I spoke at the TEDx UN last week. And I just told her, wow, I'd love to do that someday. And this was like a year into my career as a business owner. And she looked at me like a cartoon. She was like, well, I think you're going to do it. And her, her tooth like sparkled in my imagination, you know, like, (laughs) you know, and I got a text from her the next week. I was on a work assignment in Istanbul. It was 2012 during the protests there. I'm standing in a spice bazaar with tear gas in my eyeball, like literally dodging a protest. And I get this text from this girl saying, hey, I referred you for a TED talk. um, And they're they're taking my referral pretty seriously. Uh, You're just going to have to send them your speaking reel. And I remember thinking like, what is a speaking reel? So I went and Googled speaking reel. I went back to my hotel that night and I actually propped my iPhone up against the bathroom counter in this Istanbul, like not nice hotel. And pretended that this was going to be my speaking reel. I like made up a speech and submitted this iPhone video thinking to myself, like, there's no way they're going to take me. Like, what is this? And it it felt like a miracle the whole time that when they finally accepted me, Um, I worked on my talk. They wanted me to talk about national security, but I pulled a doozy on them and made it all about my business um, as a career coach, cause I just started it and I was really excited about it. That being said, you can't be too promotional with Ted. You have to really walk the line, which is something that I've really learned after writing people's Ted talks so many more times. Um, but yeah, I, I'll never forget that talk. I, I went to Berkeley, uh, to give it 
And all TEDx's are different size. They have different licenses. You know, they're a license from the TED brand. So um, depending on how many years they've been doing TEDx, they might be a smaller event or a bigger event. This happened to be the biggest one that they have, which was at TEDx Berkeley. So it was 4,000 people. And Guy Kawasaki, you know, those of you who don't know him, he was an angel investor in Apple. And and just for anyone kind of like sweating bullets right now, like your first TED Talk doesn't have to roll out yeah. in front of 4,000 people. Yeah. It's, just, you know, it's the way Ashley rolls. So keep going. I know. I know. I'm like, don't try that at home like that. I, it was, it worked out for me. Um, and when we, so one thing that Jean and I will get into is I've been writing and booking people on the TED stage. And um, most of the people we're booking, it's like a hundred people at their TED talk. And it still feels like a lot, but they're so well prepared and it's all prep. But yeah, Guy Kawasaki walks on stage and I just remember the audience was like roaring with laughter. Like he had it dialed in. I mean, this guy has been speaking forever. So I remember this one moment I had my um, my speech written in my back pocket because I was like, worst, worst case, I will pull it out. And yeah, and I didn't, you know, it was just folded there like for mental comfort, you know. And I remember when he was walking off stage, I, I forgot all my words, like right when it was about to be my turn. And I was on the side of the stage and they were introducing me and I opened up my speech and it, and I just saw the first word and I put it back in my pocket and that got me rolling. Um, I've learned so much over the past 10 years about preparing and delivering speeches, but I'm, I think that anyone who enters this arena, it's, it's pretty life changing to not only put your voice out there, but to be intentional about it. You know, um, there were some people that were kind of like fumbling and bumbling with flashcards on stage. And I'm like, you know what, Ted is just not the time to fumble and bumble. You really need to prepare. And I think that's, what's exciting about it is the, the most viral talks are not only the best storytellers, but the most prepared, um, at the speech and the good news, it's only 10 to 18 minutes. So you can usually prepare that pretty well. <laughs> I mean, you know, what is it? Mark Twain said, I wrote a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one. And, um, you know, anyone listening, you're here because you think highly of yourself. You have the dream of a bigger life. Uh, and a bigger life in the way that's going to be really important to us comes with a level of mastery. Yeah. You know, no, nobody's here for mediocrity. Nobody's here for good enough. Every, all of us want the best for our lives and we want the best from ourselves. Yeah. And I think too many women are way too hard on themselves in every category of their life because you think that being the best version of yourself in whatever lane means you have to have figured it out. Yeah. And if you're like, I wouldn't know what to put in a TED talk, you don't have to because there are experts and people that have already done it. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to transform your body, you don't even have to know how to do that. There's experts for that. You want to grow your business. You want to fall in love. Like, so I, you know, whether you want to, you're listening and you want to speak on the TED stage or you just want mastery in your life, I want this particular nugget to be, please stop putting all the pressure on you to know everything, to figure it all out right. and permission granted to hire experts and surround yourself with experts. Okay. 100%. No, oh, okay. 
Um, so what were the results of the first TED Talk? So the first one, I haven't even looked at it in so long. I think it has a couple million views at this point, but it's been years and years. The results of that one were brand credibility. Um, so that one didn't go as viral as this most recent one, but what I got from it was a lot more speaking engagements. I got taken uh, seriously. It kind of given me, gave me a seat at the table and allowed me to uh, identify as a speaker in a different way. Um, so I think once you make your way on the TED stage, it's kind of crucial if you want a speaking career um, that you're building. I think making your way onto the TED stage is a rite of passage and really, really important for your future bookings. It gave me momentum, you know, like people started reaching out for talks um, and that begetted more talks. Uh, momentum begets momentum. Mm -hmm. And please note everyone, it was her first, like don't, it, like TED isn't one and done. Yeah. Um, and you know, like life too, your, your book deal doesn't have to be one and done. Some people come out of the gates and have their first TED talk goes viral and their first book hits the top of the New York times. Right. And sometimes it's their, their, their second or third one. And so Ash, I'm sure you learned so much about your first one that yeah. went into making the second one, even that much more masterful. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, TED talks have a structure. And if you look at either of my TED Talks, the opener has to be incredibly attention grabbing. So the first TED Talk talks about my life and spying and the Pentagon and counterterrorism. I wake people up out of their iPhones if they're sitting in the audience distracted right away. Um, same thing with the second TED Talk that you and I were at Soho House while I was writing. Um, that one talks about my dad getting a phone call and somebody having um, threatened that they had kidnapped me. So the, both of these talks open up in an, intention, uh, in an intentional attention-grabbing way. Um, a couple other things uh, right off of the bat that I think anybody can think about with or without help is titles. Titles matter in a big way. Um, titles are what get you the click. The content is what gets you people to watch and stay. Um, and it gets it viral. Like titles alone don't always go viral. It really has to have good content to back it. Um, so that has to do with SEO and the fact that we live in a world with ChatGPT. If you're thinking about certain titles, you can literally just open up ChatGPT if you have access to it in whatever country you're in and, you know, ask it, hey, I want to give a TED talk. Here's a couple concepts. What are, what are some great titles that you would recommend that are SEO backed? You want to optimize SEO. TED is a search engine. YouTube is a search engine. Um, also taking a look at what's trending right now. So, you know, if you look at the top 10 TED Talks, they've been around for the past decade or more. I like to look at which ones are climbing in the ranks, maybe in the past like three, four, five years, because those are showing us the pulse of where people are at, what people are looking at. And the great news for anyone in the nonfiction self-development world is the, the highest ranking TED Talks all mostly, with the exception of a few, are personal development focused. I mean, I get it. I think it's one of the, I mean, maybe podcasts would be the only other unpolluted area. Meaning yeah. marketing has polluted every area of, of content consumption. But yeah. think about it. You don't just, you don't scroll TED Talks. Yeah. <laughs> you intentionally go to like, look for something that you either want to learn from or someone recommended to you, or like you're going there because you want to be there, not because yeah. you stumbled on it. Yeah. Um, 
so I think that's just really important to keep in mind in a world of like, why is nobody listening to me? And why is my Instagram post not getting any likes? It's because marketing has ruined all those platforms, but not the TED platform, not something where people are literally searching it out. Yeah, it's so, so true. And, you know, like Martin Scorsese says, he says, what's most personal is most creative. So I think being able to ask yourself, what is deeply personal in my life? And I do believe there's a big line between what's personal and what's private. Um, but if you can look at your life, almost like make a timeline of your life, what are the big events that have, have impacted you the most um, personally? And being able to pull from that as inspiration is an incredible starting point. Oh, but uh, let's back up the bus. There's a difference between what's, how have we not ever talked about this? Yeah. Between what's personal and what's private. Cause so many people are like, I just got divorced or I hate my mom or, you know, like how I can't talk about whatever happened with my kid because th they're all watching. And I think you highlighting that for people to understand, um, I mean, I know the private areas of my life that didn't make my book. Yeah. And I was very intentional about sharing the lesson and the, the piece that would be most universal that didn't necessarily need the private details. Right. Uh, but then there's plenty of my life and yours and in TED Talks that you will share yeah. that is personal, which is exciting. Yeah. And that's what makes you unique. Yeah. And I think people not knowing that line gets us confused. I think a lot of people are using social media as a diary and they're processing their life on social media. And in some ways it's really useful in other ways, like Brene Brown says, not everybody has the right to hear your story. Um, I think that everybody has a story, but your deepest, most personal um, private stories, I think get to remain yours. Um, but being able to hop on the TED stage or any stage, if you want to be building your career as a speaker, um, I think doing that timeline of looking at your life and really asking, well, what feels private about this and what's personal? How can I share this through a personal lens? Is there anything that like, if there's someone that's like, I'd like to do that, that's nice, but there's just, I'm not good enough and there's no way. I think, you know, the, the self-doubt stopping place, yeah. what do you have to say to that person? Yeah, I think imposter syndrome is so everywhere. And as a career coach and having coached people for years on how to make career changes and stuff like that, this comes up all the time. Um, I think the thing to remember is it's kind of like that Picasso anecdote. Have you read that anecdote about him scribbling on a napkin, Gina? Like, it's this like funny little story where Picasso on a napkin at a restaurant in Paris and this guy walks up to him and is like, oh my gosh, it's Picasso. I want to ask if I could buy the napkin. I'll frame it in my apartment. And he goes, hey, can I buy that napkin from you? And Picasso says, yeah, it'll be a million dollars. And he says, what are you talking about? It took you five minutes. And Picasso said, no, this took me my whole life. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that when we have imposter syndrome, we're looking at a very unique set of qualifications and we're forgetting that who we are is the biggest undercurrent of our success. Our natural talents, our natural gifts is the foundation, is the context um, that holds all of the trainings and all of the extra things we do. So I think first and foremost, it's really knowing what is your gift and how can you show up and really demonstrate that? Because everybody has something different. And everybody has something. 
That's yeah. the other thing. Do not think that you are so special that everyone in the world has a thing, a story, a gift, a talent, except you. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes we are the last to know. Yeah. You know, if we grew up in an environment where we weren't seen and it wasn't our gifts and talents weren't reflected back to us or who we naturally were was sort of illegal within your own family dynamic system. I get that. Um, and that's also why we work with experts to pull out. I know when I'm working with my own coaching clients, like I can see things that they can't. When I work with my coaches, they see things that I can't. Um, and so um, I just couldn't, could not feel better about anyone wanting to enter the TED stage to find out what Ashley is offering in a way that you will be guided and held and cared for and challenged by the way she's no cosmic cheerleader has <laughs> <laughs> no no problem um you know letting you up. honestly know where something needs to get better. And that's part of what is so safe actually about Ashley, because you're not going to sit there and wonder like, is this great? Or is she just saying it? She is not the salesperson at Nordstrom. Yeah. You look great <laughs> in that. She'll just be like, uh-uh, try again. Yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, Ashley, share with people what you have going on and um, just what you are legit obsessed with right now. Yeah, I haven't even had time to update you, um, but we've been really busy with this. So um, lately I have created an offer on how to book, write, and deliver the best TED Talk of your life. So- um, No, say it again. For the I know, book, that. Write, and deliver the best talk of your life. So um, what's really exciting about this is that we are working with- all sorts of different people. Um, we're writing their TED Talk with them or for them, depending on what they need. And we, uh, the person that I am partnering with in creating this offer, she has booked 39 out of 40 of the talks that we've written in the past year. Boom. So really high success rate getting you on the TED stage with the talks that we write. Um, and I would love to hear from anybody about it. I'm at ashleystall.com slash talk is the application. Um, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash talk. And we'll have, of course, um, we'll have her two TED Talks in show notes and we'll have her application there as well. And what's involved in the application? Um, so we just want to hear a little bit about, you know, the basics, best way to contact you, but why do you want to give a TED Talk? Why does it matter for you? We always like to keep in mind what your goal is. Um, that's something that we pepper throughout your speech to get results from the TED Talk that are beyond just it showing up on YouTube. Do you want clients? Do you want a book deal? All that kind of stuff. Um, so what results you would want to see from it in your career? Um, I got a half million dollar spokesperson contract through my TED Talk. So what is it that you really want to manifest um, in your work, in your business and in your personal life? Um, do you have any inkling on how your speech would look? And what's kept you from booking and writing one so far? We want to understand where you feel like there's a block. Um, and have you ever been selected to speak anywhere? You know, do you have any examples? And it's okay if you don't. Um, and most importantly, let us know that you found out about us um, from Gina, because I want to honor giving anyone who hears this $3,000 off. Um, all you have to do on the application is say that you listen to Gina's podcast. And as long as you reach out within two weeks of this episode coming out, 
um, I want to make sure that we gift you that discount. Awesome. So fill out the application. You have nothing, nothing to lose on that. And Ashley, walk th people through the process. Like if, if they're selected to work with you, how are they held? What does it look like? What's the experience? Yeah, I love this question so much because it's a pretty deep dive. Um, so we usually will do at least one or two Zoom meetings together. It usually amounts to like a full day worth of time, four to eight hours worth of time. And I'm pulling your story out of you. I'm working with you to just understand what your life has looked like, what your message is, and really clarify that idea that is worth spreading for TED, um, what your message is. And then from there, we have a chief speechwriter. He's the head of the Department of USC Communications. Um, so he works with us to polish the talk off, whether you want us to do it for you or you um, you know, want to do it with us. Um, we have that support available. From there, once the talk draft is about 80% done, we hand it off to our booker, who um, she's a former TEDx curator, so she gets ready to pitch you. Um, and we help you make a one-minute video, and it's not fancy, it's just an iPhone video that we give you bullet points for. Um, and we use that to start pitching our Rolodex of TEDx curators. Um, usually it takes three months for you to get your TED Talk booked. Um, and then you have an option to fly to Palm Beach, Florida and work with me for the half day to just prepare your delivery. I think having a well-written talk is one thing. Being able to deliver it, change your intonation of voice where you're standing on stage is a whole other thing. So we work on delivery together and you also get a few uh, coaching sessions in between just to spot you if you need anything while you're working on it all. Talk about full service, full service. Yeah. Ashley, what's your um, style in helping people with their TED Talks? Um, spontaneous, extemporaneous speaking or scripted? I Okay, so I'm somewhere in between. I love somebody who wants to go straight off of a script because I'm in New York City today. Why do people pay so much money for Hamilton? It's because, or any play, it's because what they're getting on Thursday is the same that they're getting on Friday. It's consistency. It's excellence. Um, so I don't like my speakers going out there and quote unquote channeling, like, please don't channel on the TED stage. Um, so I would say if you're down to be very scripted, I love that for you, um, because it allows you to be really intentional about your delivery. Um, but we do have some clients that just want some bullet points and they practice with us and they, they definitely use that day in Palm beach, um, practicing in front of me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I cannot express to you the level of competency, excellence, professionalism. I have literally sat by this woman watching her legit perfect her own. And, um, you know, it's, it's the caliber, it's the quality that people really, really aspire to. You know, it's easy to kind of talk about like, oh, this is quality. It's what like, Ashley is the top of the top of the top. She will not settle for you for anything less. She also will not work with anyone where it's not the right fit. She's just a very, <laughs> um, she knows what she's obsessed with and who she can help and um, so full of an integrity in that way. So if you're all wondering if you're a fit, you don't actually have to wonder, fill out the application and, and she'll fill you in. Um, it's, you're just going to, if it's the right fit for you, you're going to be in the best hands. And I'm going to be so excited to hear about all the women in the divine living community hitting the TED stage and 
really using it in the way Ashley's talking about, like having it be a springboard to all of your other desires, book deals, speaking, more clients, all the good things. Mm, thank you so much for having me on the show again. Oh, Ashley, Ashley, I'm so excited about this new adventure. I love watching women like us continue to grow, evolve, tap into what um, what's next for us. And I've seen you develop, like this is like such an, seems so obvious what was next for you. So I'm excited for people to experience your genius. So links are all in the show notes. Everyone take amazing advantage of this and let me know about it. Thank you. Lots of love, everyone.